the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All right, we're waiting on uh, Robert Steinbach. He should be calling any moment. We also heard that Chris uh, Corbett would probably be calling in as well. I want to uh, get uh, Robert on and talk to him, and we'll do it over the phone this morning, uh, to uh, tell us what he thinks about what Senator Cotton and Senator Rubio are uh, proposing uh, with this new uh, piece of... uh, of, uh, legislation they want to pass uh, dealing with FOIA. Uh, What uh, happened is that I think from what I've read and what I can ascertain from this is uh, they want to keep foreign countries from being able to use the uh, FOIA bill against us as far in um, security. And that's basically uh, what this is uh, all going on uh, and is about. Uh, I've got a uh, story right in front of me. Let me read this real fast. U.S. Senators Marco Rubio and Tom Cotton introduced the FOIA Fix Act. The bill would fix an existing loophole. Uh, in the Freedom of Information Act, it allows foreign individuals, entities, and governments to submit a FOIA request. Prohibiting foreign actors from submitting FOIA requests would put American requests first, while preventing government information, including potentially sensitive technology research, from being shared with hostile foreign uh, regimes. In addition to reducing the massive backlog of pending requests, the bill would also decrease the taxpayer dollars spent on processing foreign foreign requests. And uh, according to uh, Senator Rubio, he said it makes no sense that uh, foreign entities can use our laws to access sensitive government information all while thousands of U.S. citizens continue to wait for their FOIA requests to be answered. FOIA should be used to inform American citizens, not foreign entities. My common sense bill will correct that glaring loophole. The Chinese uh, Communist Party and other foreign entities shouldn't have access to uh, sensitive government information, uh, Senator Cotton. Our bill will prioritize American requests and prevent our adversaries from stockpiling U.S. government 
uh, information. Now, specifically, here's what it would do. The FOIA Fix Act would direct agencies to promulgate rules limiting FOIA requests to, one, U.S. citizens, two, aliens lawfully admitted for uh, permanent residence, and three, entities with a principal place of business or headquarters in a state, the District of Columbia, or the territory of the U.S. Prohibit domestic uh, subsidiaries from making a uh, FOIA request if the controlling company has its principal place of business or headquarters located in China, Russia, North Korea, Iran, Cuba, uh, Syria, Venezuela, or any other country or nation state determined by the U.S. Department of State is posing a threat and... Number three, impose a criminal penalty on any individual that knowingly assists an otherwise prohibited individual from making a FOIA request. Now, I, I take it that Robert is on the line. I see that it's, uh, it's on hold. So let's get to Robert here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Robert, what do you, I sent this story to you last night. You had time to look it over. What's your thoughts about it? Uh, as they sort of say about mediocre movies, eh, meaning I agree with the notion that uh, Americans should be given priority or even exclusivity when it comes to making FOIA requests because we're the taxpayers that pay the government to do that behavior. So I'm okay with that. It's fine. In okay. fact, Arkansas is one of only uh, uh, either a few or I think as few as two states, uh, possibly, I I don't know the exact number, uh, that requires an Arkansan to make a FOIA request. So a New Yorker can't make a FOIA request uh, of Arkansas, only an Arkansan can. However, in Arkansas, a New Yorker can call an Arkansan and say, make this request for me. Now, the law that Rubio is proposing says that's not allowed, okay? But what the law doesn't say, and what I'm not sure how the law could control, is what happens if a a Chinese national calls an American and says, I'm not asking you to make a FOIA request, but wouldn't it be interesting to find out the following from the government? And then the second person makes a FOIA request and posts it online. All of that strikes me as 100% legal, and I don't see a way to prevent that, in fact. So there's nothing bad about the law. I just think there's... It doesn't do that much. I, I, the part I do like is I don't think that request should be made by foreign nationals when we have a huge backlog in the U.S. And unlike in Arkansas, the U.S., they have some um, time requirement built into the law, if I recall correctly. I'm not nearly as well-versed on the federal FOIA as I am on the Arkansas FOIA, but it's, it's just entirely ignored. And so you get a response to your FOIA request uh, whenever they want. Uh, thank goodness that in Arkansas, that's, the law is much more clear, and the courts enforce that, so that if you make a FOIA request and they don't produce it within a timely fashion, which, which is uh, almost invariably three days or less, according to the statute explicitly, uh, then they have to um, pay attorney's fees, and that's a big deal. Okay, so uh, on the first thing you were talking about, about somebody making a request for somebody like in China or whatever, it says here that it would impose a criminal penalty on any individual 
that knowingly assists an otherwise prohibited individual, which would be a Chinese national, from making a FOIA request. So somebody would be able to be... Uh, to be fined or whatever they come up with. No, no, no. That, we, we call that, I think it's called a, a cat's paw uh, uh, re- request. It's, it's a hidden request. That is prohibited uh, under that bill proposed by Rubio. But here's what's not prohibited, and I, here's what I don't think you could ever prohibit. What happens if a Chinese national calls Dave Ellswick and says, Hey, Dave, I'm not asking you to make any requests, but aren't you interested in the following information? And then if you say, actually, that's kind of interesting, so uh-huh. you make a FOIA request, and then you post it online, because anything that's turned over per- pursuant to the FOIA is a public document and can be presented anywhere you want, so you put it on your blog. So indirectly, that Chinese national uh, has a good chance of getting that material simply by getting an American interested in seeking that material. But yes, it's an additional step. And you've got to find someone who's interested in actually getting that material. So, like I said from the beginning, it's not bad. There's nothing wrong with the law. It's not a, I, I don't, I'm not against it. I just don't think it produces that much. I do like the first part even more, which is whether or not the Chinese national can wind up getting the document sort of indirectly by getting an American interested in seeking it himself. The Chinese national should not be the one making the request. I think it should be an American making that request. I agree with that. Yeah, it says here, let's just go over it. Prohibit domestic subsidiaries from making a FOIA request if the controlling company has its principal place of business or headquarters located in China, Russia, North Korea, Iran, uh, Cuba, Syria, Venezuela, or any other country, nation, state determined by the U.S. Department of State as posing a threat. And uh, so it would seem to me that this is kind of a push-off from back in World War II, where they had the big signs up, loose lip-sync ships kind of things, and they're telling people, pay attention, and, and or we can slap your hand. I don't know what kind of penalty they're looking for here. Uh, if you do the bidding of somebody from one of these countries that don't like the United States. Yes, indeed. Uh, although the the claims made about national security strike me as overblown, because why would the government be turning over national security information to anybody? That's exempt from the FOIA. So the only materials that the government's supposed to turn over uh, pursuant to the FOIA are public records. So if the government's turning over public records that involve national security, they're doing something wrong. Okay. Uh, so that's kind of a, you know, it's a, that's a, a red herring. And that's, that's not supposed to happen. So this is a MacGuffin we're hearing right there. What's a MacGuffin? MacGuffin is where you say, hey, uh, in, it's in a movie and they're trying to take care of uh, somebody getting a suitcase or whatever. But the suitcase has no bearing on the story whatsoever. They just put it out there as a, a point of interest. Ah, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. I, the, 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 be a, we don't want ordinary Americans getting top secret information, right? That's why we have clearances. So it shouldn't go to an American uh, and it shouldn't go to a Chinese national. So uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying that no one has ever made a mistake. But if they make the mistake, they could just as easily make the mistake to an American and that American would have the ability to release that information publicly thereafter as well. So uh, th- that doesn't seem like a 
a, a real concern. But prioritizing Americans' requests, particularly at the federal level, where the requests are not filled at the speed at which they should be, certainly makes sense. All right. My guest, Robert Steinbach, he's with us for a little while this morning. I got a couple other things I want to talk to him about. We'll get to it after we get our first break in here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Yesterday, uh, the uh, Fed raised the interest rate up 75 points. That's uh, three quarters of a percent uh, out there for all of us. And uh, going to use that to try to slow the amount of money that's coming in from businesses to to expand and things of that nature to slow inflation down. Uh, Powell said that there'll be more of those before the end of the year. I think he said there may be at least two more of 100, maybe over the whole year uh, after this 75 addition and an additional 175 basis points and that that's a pretty good jump then that would be two and a half percent uh the folks at david lucas financial say you know you've been saving all your life for your uh, uh retirement how do you react now with all that's going on with the fed and and with inflation that's showing up and uh, with the price of gold going up, I mean, what do you do? Well, you know, they'll tell you having about 15% of precious metals in your uh, portfolio is probably a good thing. But buying silver and gold does have uh, additional questions that you need to ask. And to get that information and to be able to handle it, uh, David Lucas Financial will uh, teach you how to do it. Don't let the 1970s-style inflation destroy your retirement. You can learn how silver and gold could help you protect your assets by just calling 501-222-3315. They work with one of the only regulated and licensed national wholesalers in the country, so you get direct prices from a dealer that you can trust. So to learn more about buying silver and gold, Call this number, 501-222-3315. That's 501-222-3315. Investment advisory services offered through David Lucas Financial and Arkansas Registered Investment Advisor. Back with more of Robert Steinbach when we return. All right, let's continue on. Robert, yesterday, uh, the president signed a sweeping new executive order that aims to protect LGBT, or this is what they say it does, <coughs> aims to protect LGBT youth from a raft of conservative state laws and address barriers that they face to health care and housing. Now, this was a war that we had in the last General Assembly. We passed several laws on this, and uh, a lot of people didn't like some of the things we did. Walmart didn't like them, and they uh, complained the about it. Chamber of Commerce. Yeah, the Chamber, Chamber of, of Commerce. Commerce as well. The order directs the Department of Health and Human Services to release new guidance for states on how to expand ex, uh, access to uh, comprehensive health care for LGBT parents and or pardon me patients, according to a White House fact sheet. It also orders the uh, Education Department to release a sample school policy 
that is inclusive of LGBT students, among other actions. The order aims to use the muscle of the federal government to push back on laws in states like, for instance, Texas and Florida, that have restricted access to health care for uh, transgender youth and uh, barred discussion in elementary schools about gender and sexual orientation. I find this interesting with as much as we've got going on in this country and the problems that we have facing our nation of inflation, high gas prices, supply chain problems, high food prices, uh, baby formula, the border, and all in all uh, down the uh, road, the president, who's got the lowest ratings that he has ever had, or in fact almost any president has ever had, now has decided to take on this divisive issue. Uh, this really well, surprises me. Well, it doesn't surprise me at all, in fact, because this is what they do, right? As you recall, the, the left would always uh, project and call the conservatives, say, well, you're ginning up social issues uh, for political reasons. And that's exactly what uh, the president is doing here. So it doesn't surprise me at all. This is this is what they do. They're trying to divert attention uh, from the real issues. Uh, with that said... Um, this is an issue, uh, meaning not uh, what the president's doing. It, it, it's trying to do an end run around state law. But the, the state government here in Arkansas and elsewhere, of course, uh, made a number of laws to, amongst other things, protect children. Uh, and uh, folks on the left, on the far left, don't like it. Yeah, let's, let's look at what... Uh one of the spokesmen from the White House said they said, quote, hateful discriminatory laws that target children are out of line where where the American people are. And President Biden is going to use his authority to protect kids and families. Now, let's wait a second here. You know, you're talking sometimes three, four, five year old kids that have no say of uh, parents that want to do things to their bodies that cannot be changed back again if the child uh, doesn't have gender dysphoria or whatever. Seems to me that there should be some way of putting the brakes on on this. Well, that's in fact what we did here in Arkansas. That's correct. We said that that, uh, children shouldn't be getting permanent changes uh, because it's too young to do that. And that's a decision made by the legislature representing the people. Uh, And so that's uh, and of course, the only limitation to that is a constitutional protection. Excuse me. And I know of none. So uh, Arkansas enacted laws to protect children. Of course, again, the the left in an act of projection uh, seeks to do the same, uh, claims to be doing the same through actions that are entirely the opposite. It will answer me this. In a genital mutilation is basically outlawed all over the world. But, you know, snipping off a little boy's penis or whatever because you think that he might be, uh, you know, he wants to be a little girl or something, as the parents say, is not considered that. Can you explain to me the difference? Well, it is interesting that we see across the world there is this uh, behavior 
uh, in uh, other countries where they they mutilate women, girls. Yes. Uh, in a way uh, to remove their ability to have sexual satisfaction uh, as a goal of preventing them from seeking to engage in sex. Uh, and that is rightfully uh, reviled and criticized. Uh, um, now, the goal there, of course, is awful, uh, and the process is awful. Here, uh, when we have things going on with young children, the claimed goal is for the benefit of the child, but that's subject to debate, right? Wide uh, open debate right now. I mean, uh, there's no, right. no majority who believe that this is something that they should be doing. That's right. And then the process is irreversible. That's right. And so uh, there is a significant uh, parallel uh, to both circumstances, uh, but you don't see similar outrage from the left. Yeah, they're just really, it's it's weird. It is really weird. Hey, listen, uh, you want to grab a cup of coffee? You want to stick around for a minute? I wanted to ask sure. you about what you thought about the president attacking oil companies uh, uh, when we I'll come back. Let's talk about that. Plus, I wanted to ask you a, a little more about this particular issue as well, because this is where the AG comes into play. And uh, what, do, what's, what do states have uh, to fight back with? And, and I've, I've already begun talking about this with state legislators. What are they willing to do in the next legislative session to fight back against the federal government? Let's find out about the news, though, first. We're going to do that here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Let's check in with SRN News. All right, let's get back, and uh, I want to go back to the story dealing with what the president did uh, yesterday. And he has signed a, uh, I guess, a presidential mandate about... uh, uh, this whole thing dealing with uh, I get anything dealing with LGBTQ treatments and stuff. It, it's pretty broad brush that he's painting with here. We'll talk about that in a second. I got Robert Steinbach because I want to ask him about what we can do here on a state level when we got laws that address this problem. But at first, I need to tell you about PI Roofing, and PI Roofing is out to help you out keep that roof in good shape and right now is really the best time that you can get some work done with pi roofing uh the weather uh, though not perfect for the guys that are on top of the roof let's be honest about that if it's it's probably 110 115 degrees up on top of your roof as they're uh, trying to replace shingles and things of that nature but it's dry and they can get to the work and they can get it done all you have to do is call PI Roofing, have them come out, inspect your roof, uh, look at it, and they'll even give you a thumbs up, a thumb to the side there saying, yeah, you got a little bit of problem here, or a thumbs down uh, because you uh, you got you know some hail damage or something like that, and you're going to need a new roof. And by the way, they'll take care of all of the stuff that goes around that, like dealing with your insurance company and all of that. You can get all of that taken care of through PI Roofing, and then all you have to do is take care of uh, the deductible or whatever that you have uh, left to pay on your insurance. So give them a call and talk to them. They're the only people that ever walked on the roof of my house. They're the only people who've ever worked on the roof of my house. And I've had two roof, two roofs put on by PI Roofing and several little uh, leaks that I had uh, here just recently because of things that happened with uh, DirecTV and whatnot. 
Uh, call PI Roofing at 501-707-3551. 501-707-3551. Or visit them online. PIRoofing.com. All right, Dave Ellswick Show. Let's go back. Here's what the president has said. I'm going to read this out to you again, just so we we know what we're talking about here. Uh, this happened yesterday. He signed a sweeping new executive order that aims to protect LGBT youth from uh, conservative state laws and address barriers that they face to health care and housing. Here's my thing about being a conservative law. I think they're common sense laws. For all of you think that we should have all kinds of gun laws and those are common sense laws, well, I think this is a common sense law. Uh, The order directs the Department of Health and Human Services, the National uh, Health and Human Services, to release new guidance for states on how to expand access to comprehensive health care for LGBT uh, patients, according to a White House fact sheet. Now, Let me just ask this question of you, Robert. When you hear that the order directs the Department of Health and Human Services to release new guidance, that sounds like, to to me, this is a way for the federal government to challenge states and to to warn states, this is the way you got to do it. Is that that what that sounds like to you? They tried that, right? You remember when... Uh, essentially this same, uh, the predecessor to this same administration, that is Barack Obama's administration, issued guidance to universities telling them essentially that they need to adopt this leftist ideology about, um, uh, you know, what is a man, what is a woman, uh, uh, who can participate in women's sports, which according to the left is anybody, right? Right. Uh, Virtually anybody. In other words, you just have to uh, um, uh, um, have the belief that you're a woman, uh, a biology notwithstanding, uh, and you and I understand uh, that's not a woman. And again, and I always say it on your show to be clear and to be inclusive, and I mean that, which is we should uh, let people live their lives, we should respect people, we shouldn't say offensive things to people, and if somebody, uh, if a man believes himself a, a woman and wants to dress like a woman and go out in society like a woman, uh, I believe, in fact, that's his right to do. But that right stops when it comes to going into the women's bathroom, when it comes to going in the women's shower, when it comes to going into uh, participating in women's sports. There's a reason that we put the sex up on the bathroom door, right? That, that, and, of course, we've had the civil rights movement since the 60s. We've obviously and correctly done away with uh, water fountains or bathrooms that are differentiated based on race. Could you even imagine that? I mean, it's mind-boggling. I, uh, I was alive only after that uh, uh, stop. Yeah, I saw it, but, so yeah. Right. I know, exactly. Um, uh, but to this day, we see bathrooms that say men and women. And nobody thinks uh, a second thought about it. It's not because we are ignorant to it. We don't think a second thought about it because we subscribe to the notion of apt differences between the sexes that warrant distinctions in bathrooms, showers, sports. Yeah, because when, when that's yeah, fine. Right. When, when you know, when you look at what the president is saying, this order, what it's really doing is 
because uh, he also sent sent out this order to the education department to release a sample school a sample go. school policy. Say, here's what you there should you be go. following uh, that is inclusive of LGBT students, among other actions. The order aims to use the uh, muscle of the federal government to push back on laws in states like Texas, Florida, Arkansas that have restricted access to health care for transgender youth and barred discussions in elementary schools about gender and sexual orientation. So, if you're the AG, are you getting on the horn today and calling up your fellow AGs that see this the same way you do and start fighting back against the federal government? And then what should state legislatures do? Well, yeah, I agree. Uh, Yes, the AG, uh, as she's done in the past, by the way, uh, should file suit should file suit for an injunction against this executive order. Now, with that said, I'm not sure what impact the executive order has, but I don't want to wait around and find out. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Right, exactly. So I think the AG should file suit. In terms of the legislature, the legislature has largely been doing the right thing. Now, you have people like uh, um, Sturch, James Sturch, right? Right. Who voted against voted against uh, the law that would have outlawed the teaching of CRT, and now he's campaigning, claiming the opposite. Of course, that's just untrue, right? It's just untrue. And the great representative, um, uh, John Payton, is running for that seat, for uh, for Sturch's seat, uh, to become senator. I'm supporting. I've endorsed Payton. Uh, but what we need to do is not have the legislature do something per se. We're now in runoff season, folks. And if you live in a, an area that has a runoff, like in the area that Peyton, John Peyton is running against uh, Larry Storch. I know it's James, but it reminds me of La- uh, Larry Storch. Yes, of F Troop, yeah. Right. Um, then you need to get out and vote right now for John Peyton because he's the only conservative in the race. I went up there. And I campaigned for John Payton. Folks have been coming from all around the state to campaign for John Payton because we want a conservative legislature. And uh, uh, so what do we need to do? Not worry about what laws the legislature uh, is enacting. So far, they've done a pretty good job. I've got some more ideas. And when we're back in session, trust me, I'll be talking with them. As you know, I have been endorsed by a half dozen state senators. So... I'll be talking to them and others, many others, uh, to to increase the conservative nature of this state. But in the meantime, folks get to get got to get out, vote in these runoffs. I know it's tiring. You just voted in the in the uh, primary. Now you got to vote in the runoff, and you got to vote if you live in John Payton's uh, senatorial district. That's broader than his representative district. Get out and vote for John Payton. John Payton's the only true conservative in the in the runoff. Yeah, I I agree with you a hundred percent there. Uh, we got to get our final break in. Let's do that, and then when we come back, the president sent a letter to the oil companies, uh, the refineries, in fact, saying, "Produce more gasoline, doggone it! Quit being a profiteer. Quit trying to screw the American public." We'll talk about that because it ain't even so because this president is the one who's caused what we've got right now. Uh, Don't forget about Pat Davis and about health insurance. Save yourself some money, some big money. 
with health insurance. You can save yourself maybe in the neighborhood of if you have a small business, fifteen grand. You know, going uh, the way Pat says to go uh, with health insurance for your workers. If you supply health insurance to your workers, you can save you a lot of money. You can help them by not having them not having to pay co-pays and big deductibles and things of that nature. That's a win-win. And that will give you the opportunity to go out and offer uh, employment to people that are well-qualified for your business. Now, if you're an individual, you've got a family, they save you money there uh, as well. 30 to 50% is what uh, uh, Pat Davis can do with this way that he does uh, health insurance. And you need to check it out. You can have uh, any provider in the nation. There are no co-pays. There's no deductibles or big de- deductibles. There may be a deductible or two. And often you get a check when you go to the doctor, urgent care, and even the hospital. How would you like to get a, a check from them for a change instead of always sending them a check out of your checking account? Call up uh, Pat. Talk to him about this. Uh, 501-605-6935. Or visit him online at yourhealthplanman.com. All right, back. Final segment. Robert Steinbach, my guest. Robert will be back with us tomorrow morning as well, along with Chris Corbett. Uh, they'll be both by phone, and uh, we will talk about what's going on, uh, you know, as far as uh, politics here in the United States and how that can affect us here locally. For instance, this this order that the executive order that the president signed can have direct effects on uh, the state of Arkansas and the laws that, that we want to live under here in the, the state as well. Well, there was other things going on in Washington as, uh, yesterday. President Biden chastised. He didn't chastise him. He, he yelled at him uh, and sent him a, a nasty letter. Uh, he's, he chastised some of the largest oil companies for, quote, profiteering off surging energy prices and, quote, worsening that pain for consumers as he increased the pressure on them to boost refining capacity and bring down costs at the pump. Now, here's the problem with this, uh, Robert. And again, this is projection as you talk about, hey, get out there and, and make more make more gasoline. You know, there hasn't been a new refinery built in the United States since the 1970s. Of course. So the government, uh, this government, uh, Joe Biden, shuts off the potential for a, a pipeline, yep. uh, prevents uh, refineries from being built, and then says, oh, my gosh, uh, we're importing oil instead of producing it ourselves. We were energy independent under Trump, and we ain't so anymore because the left keeps cutting off our nose to spite our face. Yeah, well, you got a president that doesn't want to take any responsibility at all for his own policies, and so he's always pointing his finger at other things. And here it is again. He's pointing at the oil companies. Here's what I wish the oil companies would do. Have a big news news conference and answer why 
they're having problems keeping up with uh, you know the the lack of uh, gas uh, at the pumps and with all the people who are wanting you know to fill up their cars and why it's so expensive. It's expensive because government policies have made it expensive. It's the it's the Trump or not the Trump the Biden administration that has said to the oil companies, uh, hey, look, at, we're not going to let the banks finance any of your stuff that you want to build. Dave, I've got the solution. We should just tap into the the nonsense that's coming out of the uh, Biden administration, because that's a bunch of gas, ain't it? Can't we just? Yeah, it'd be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah, right. It would definitely be be nice uh, looking at uh, what the oil the oil companies got a letter from Biden. He demand he demanded that they explained their decision to limit refinery capacity and announced that his administration would hold an emergency meeting to discuss ways of stemming the crisis. Hey, guy, why don't you invite the uh, the, the owners and uh, the CEOs from these oil companies and talk to them about it, not try to just dictate what you want them to do? To be clear... Uh, I'm not necessarily friends of oil companies or not, one way or the other. And I don't know uh, exactly how they're producing oil. And the flip side is, if anybody, if Dave Ellswick, Rob Steinbuck, or Joe Biden wants to write a letter to the president of an oil company, say, hey, guys, can you do X, Y, and Z? That's free speech, right? They're entitled to write that. But the difference is suggesting that somehow the oil companies are manipulating the oil flow uh, and whether they are or not, I have no idea. But what the, clearly the driving force behind the gas prices that we have today are twofold. First and foremost, to be clear, is the ongoing policies of the Biden administration that has restricted America from being energy independent. That's the first. The second, Biden is correct on, but it's second, not first. The war in Ukraine and the consequential behavior of Russia has reduced uh, the oil flow from Russia. We are trying to cut off Russian oil flow, and I'm okay with that because they're a bunch of murderers. Uh, So that has an effect on the prices, too. But it's secondary to the awful behavior, the awful choices made by the Biden administration. You know that Janet Yellen, head of the Fed, just said, well, I guess I was wrong about inflation. I guess I was wrong about inflation. You know what? When the head of the Fed messes up so badly, you know what you do? You get rid of her. You replace her. I haven't seen that happen. Yeah, well... This whole thing of pointing at, uh, pointing at the uh, the oil industry and say this is all their fault that we're getting, yeah. you know, higher gas prices. Think about what time of the year it is. It, it, we're moving into summer. What happens at the refineries? They This has happened for years now. They okay. shut down. They have to make changes to meet the different blends that who? The federal government yeah. says that they must meet. So, right. you know... Th- the federal government has got, you know, got their their hand, you know, in this terribly. A hundred percent. The regulations that the federal government ha- have is, uh, imposed upon oil industry, some of them good, some of them not, uh, certainly acts as a impediment on the flow of gasoline. Again, 
Some of them good, some of them not. Uh, so don't sit there and complain that this is all the fault of the energy companies. In fact, it's not all the fault. It's not nearly all the fault. Whether there's any fault, I don't even know. But if it is, it's at least third on the list. Not first, not second, at least third on the list. Yeah, the uh, Linden, Linden Dell uh, Basil Refinery in Houston is closing down. Uh, because they are facing $1.5 billion in expenses to meet EPA clean air standards. The company mm-hmm. tried to sell the plant, but guess what? No one's buying. Why would you buy a company that's going to lose money on? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To build a refinery. Hey, by the way, to build a refinery, I know this for a fact, it takes eight years just to get through all of the different paperwork that you got to get through for the federal government. Eight years before you can do anything. And uh, you're putting out all this money to build something. Uh, there's not too many people who can take it in the keister for that long. Well, Bill Maher, as you know, uh, who's on HBO, he's got his own show. I think he's yeah. on Maher show, something like that, right? And uh, he's a big liberal, big liberal. But then he starts talking about regulation because he tried to build a shed on his property in California. And he said it was a nightmare. He said it took like two years to build a shed because of all the approvals and inspections. And he said, this is kind of ridiculous. I mean, I get that I'm not supposed to build something that's going to fall down, but the level of inspections and you got to pay every time some uh, inspector comes out, notwithstanding that you've already paid for it in taxes, right? Uh, he said it was absurd, and that's what happens all the time. These lefties are big fans of excessive, I want to emphasize, excessive regulation until all of a sudden they're impacted by it, and, they, and then they realize we need to evaluate regulation uh, sort of on a, on a scale of reasonableness. Yeah, I would, it, it sort of, I, I would think, uh, you know, clean air standards are important. I don't say that they're not. I I lived in a part of the country where the air needed to be cleaned up at one time. But the bottom line is this. When you're in an emergency situation, sometimes they got to wait. Oh, well, we need to cut all the gas taxes, for example. We need to, why is, hasn't Arkansas eliminated temporarily the gas taxes that we're paying? Explain that to me, Dave. That's another show. Yeah, indeed. All right. Indeed. I'll see you tomorrow morning. God bless. Thanks so much, Robert Steinbach. Of course, he's a law professor over at uh, the Bowen School of Law. His opinions are his and his alone and don't necessarily reflect that at Bowen School of Law or UALR. I'm Dave Ellswick. Uh, Joe and Duck will be joining us in a moment. What's this heat doing to your car? We'll talk about it next on the Dave Ellswick Show. going to continue on here on the Dave Ellswick show at 7 o'clock, 7.06 to be exact. Joe is here from Joe's Garage, Duck here from Duck's Garage, and uh, I got big questions to start off with them uh, uh, when we get in specifics about cars, but 
Let me just ask you guys. Are you getting tired of the administration pointing fingers at everybody else instead of themselves about high gas prices? Absolutely, I am. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's kind of simple. If you look at it, uh, their, their uh, M.O. is, who are you going to believe, me or your lying eyes? <laughs> I like that. <laughs> because... Anybody can drive up to a gas station and see what the cost of it is. Mm -hmm. And I hate to tell him whether he likes it or not. It's his watch. It's his fault. Yep. Period. Well, it's his policies. That's it. That's why it's his fault. It's his watch. That's what amazes me. He's supposed to control things on his watch. It's like you go out and for most of your life that you're married to a woman and you cheat on her. And then you come home one night, and she says she wants a divorce, and you want to give her crap about it, and it's all her fault. No, it's not. It's your fault. It's what you did, all right? So I think it's unbelievable to me. Yeah. I mean, and I, I hear it every day, people griping about the oil prices and gas prices. And, and now the deal now is if you own a diesel truck and you burn the fluid in it, you better buy you some if you can find it right now. Now you're talking moment. what depth fluid, right? Depth fluid. Real fluid. Depth yeah. fluid. Yeah, it's short right now. And it's it's not because they don't want to make it. It comes out of Russia. <laughs> what a big surprise. Ninety two percent of the real fluid comes out of Russia and Ukraine. Okay. Now I went into a gas station the other day and I was walking in, there was another old guy out there filling up his truck. And as I went by he said, Look, they're robbing this, and they don't even have a gun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the truth. <laughs> that is the truth. They're robbing us all. Yeah. I mean, uh, what did you pay for gas last time? I filled up yesterday afternoon. Uh, it was four thirty-five. How much it cost you? Fill uh, it up. It was a little over $100. I, did, a I can't. T- I got to tell you, I have never in my life thought, in my lifetime, I would ever hear somebody say to fill out, fill up their tank, they had to pay over $100. Oh, yeah, it's easy right now. I got a customer today brought me his truck. He said, he called Russell, and he said, hey, I got a tank I want you to put on my truck. And Russell thinking, okay, the tank's bad, and you know, we're going to put a new tank on it. Mm-hmm. He's going from a, 30, a 26-gallon diesel tank to a 66-gallon diesel tank. Okay, Why? He pulls his camper, but, you know, and I'm thinking, okay. He doesn't have to stop as often. No. Okay. But I hate to tell him when you get a tank that big, and you know this from That's your motorhome. That's a lot home, of weight. A lot of places when you pull in, if you're traveling or whatever. $150 and it cuts you off. That's it. It won't pump no more than that. And if you buy more than that, you have to go back in and purchase again if you're paying yeah. cash. Or you got to reinsert your card if you're using a card. It's maxed out. Right. You know? Card, a lot of times. I mean, yeah. they've had to change that on ta- on. Uh, Mine still said at one hundred fifty dollars. Is it? Yeah. Uh, my my shop credit card there said. Remember when it was only fifty dollars? Yeah. I can remember uh, a couple of years ago filling it up for about forty. Yeah, it's just amazing. It really is amazing. I know this is going to blow some. If you're a millennial, this happened before you. Okay, I'm just telling you. Used to be a place where I grew up at in Highland, Indiana, on Kennedy Avenue, and there were about. <laughs> 15 gas stations within a mile length of that road. And they had a gas war going on. And all the time. I mean, not only would they give you cheap gas, 
but they give you six tea glasses to go. <laughs> I mean, they glass, you know, glass mm-hmm. glasses, not plastic glass or a toaster or something. And uh, I remember gas being as low as nine cents a gallon. The cheapest I can remember, my dad had a Redbird service station, and uh, the cheapest I can ever remember it being was 19 cents. I mean, you know, I'm going to tell you, we didn't make a lot of money per hour, but still, nine cents a gallon was cheap. Sure. You know, and everybody, I mean, maybe it was nine cents at the end of the row and up at the front of the place, it was 11 cents a gallon. But people would drive all the way to the end mm-hmm. to make sure, and then they'd come back and go to the cheapest place. Yep. Uh, you know, like I say, I, it was 19 cents a gallon. I remember the oil company telling my dad that uh, you can't sell it no cheaper than that because we're only making like two cents a gallon, and the rest of it was taxes at the time. Wow. Wow. Did you hear me talking about that refinery in, in uh, Houston that you're closing? Yep. Did you hear why? Oh. Just to, they had to retrofit the refinery to meet the new air pollution standards. Yeah, one point seven billion dollars to do it. Mm-hmm. They won't make any money. They'll lose money doing it. So they're tr- they're trying to sell the refinery. They can't find any buyers. Why would you buy something that you're going to lose money on? I don't know. I can't, you know, some of that just doesn't make common sense. No, it doesn't. And It's idiotic. Listen, and listening to this president doesn't make any sense. So I was talking to a trucker yesterday. He he runs out west and comes back with, you know, with produce. And uh, they put a rear end in his truck. The rear end went out. And uh, and I said, so where are you headed now? He said, I'm headed down in the uh, Texas, you know, hill country to get a load of watermelons. To yeah. Up north. That's good food. And uh, we was discussing it, and I said, you know the rear fluid's shorted, don't you? He said, yeah. He said, I got five cases in my truck. He said, you pull in a truck stop, most places they'll only allow you to buy up to 20 gallons of rear fluid. Really? Mm-hmm. Because they're shortage. Okay. So he's he's going different places and buying it every place that he stops in? Yeah, he said. Stockpiling. Well, he said where he used to, he'd stop and fill his truck up. Now he said, I'll stop and put 100 gallons in it, get my fluid, and go to, you know, go down the road a few miles and stop and top it off and finish it off where I can get enough fluid to carry me through the burn the hole. He got 300 gallons worth of diesel fuel tanks on his truck. So yeah. You just think when they get empty, what it costs you to fill it. Is it $5? How many cents now? Five fifty-five. he said, at most places. So on a hundred gallons times five, yeah, that's five hundred bucks. Now fifteen hundred gallons. Yeah, fifteen hundred dollars for three hundred gallons. You're yeah. talking a lot of money, and then you wonder why your cucumbers are expensive. You know, I mean, I remember when you buy cucumbers three for a dollar. Now it's one for sixty-two cents. Mm-hmm. Yep. And and I like cucumbers. But I'm getting to the point where I don't like them that much. <laughs> just, 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 just saying. All right, seven fourteen. Let's go ahead and get our first break in. When we come back, here's my question: I want you guys to answer. Over the next nine days, it looks like to me, it's going to be excessively hot. Yep. All right, we're going to be up in the upper nineties, and the heat indices are going to be in the low hundreds. In fact, they're saying tomorrow might reach a hundred. It may feel like 112. What does that kind of heat do to your car? We'll talk about it. 
when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. I'll tell you one thing could happen. You could overheat. Don't want that to happen, but you could overheat. And if that happens, don't keep driving your car. All right? Pull over. And if you can't get to where you want to go, then call East End Towing and let them take you where you need to go. Put you up on the truck and get you where you need to go and find out why your car is overheating. Because if you keep on driving it, you're not going to do it any favors. Let's just put it that way. Call East End Towing at 501-888-8849. All right, 18 minutes after 7. Enough talk about gas prices. Let's talk about your car, your truck, your 18-wheeler, in fact. With it as hot, I'm just pull up my... my uh, it was hot in that shop yesterday. See what it's saying here. It's saying that... It's going to be hot, 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 hot. Every day is going to be hot. This is the way it's going. I think it's 94 today. Is it 94? Is yeah. that what they're saying? Well, depending on What's what weather like? forecaster you uh, Yeah, you look, look at. at. Mm-hmm. Well, I got my AccuWeather, and I'll just pull it up and just go by it. Okay. Get past the commercials here that they keep throwing up at me. All right, today a high of 98. 98. Ooh. Yeah, it's going to feel like. Uh, let's see, 108. If you're in the shade, it still feel like 102. Uh, 98 tomorrow. Wow, we got a cold front coming through. They had said 100. Uh, 97 Saturday, 92 on Sunday. Uh, on Monday, 96. On Tuesday, 101. Wednesday, 100 degrees. Tuesday, or Thursday, 98. Friday, 99, and next weekend, 199 degrees on Sunday, and then the following Monday, 90s. I don't see us out of the 90s all the way through the end of June, all right? We're going to be hot. And we went from 70 degrees days to 100 degree days. Yeah, I know. It just popped up. Yeah. Well, okay, well, you're going to go through the end of this month and get into the hundreds, and then summertime starts in July. (laughs) <laughs> we're going to have the real heat. Yeah, it's yeah July like, comes It's going to be like when I moved here. I came down, I came in September 2000, and I was unloading that U-Haul. And, and thought, it was, a, it, well, it was 105 that day inside that U-Haul. I have no idea how hot it was. And you thought, what was I thinking? No, I, I like I keep telling everybody. Look, I was up in North Dakota then. Ooh. So I really was still trying to knock the ice off of me, all right? But uh, it was hot. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were. It was one of those just devastating, miserable days. So, with with that said, let me just ask you guys to talk about this. I gotta believe, you know, excessive cold causes problems because I saw that up up north when I grew up. But excessive heat's got to do even worse, I would think, because a car runs hot. Oh, absolutely. You know, the the average car today. The normal operating temperature on the thermostat before it even circulates water is somewhere between 195 and 199 degrees. Yes. And there are some vehicles that they want the the water coolant temp upwards somewhere around 215, 217 degrees before they turn the electric cooling fan on to cool it back down. 
Well, does that when it runs that hot, does it burn the the fuel better? Is that what what it's for? Well, the hotter that engine is, the leaner they can run it, the better fuel economy they can okay. get out of it. That's right. the whole idea behind it. Cafe standards. That's correct. Fuel economy. And and you know when when engines run that temperature, they do that year round, Dave. But the problem in summertime is the air they're using to cool that engine off. If that air is 50 degrees, that's not too bad, is it, Doug? Nope. But when you're using 100-and-something degree air to cool off a 200-and-something degree engine, it don't the work too cooling good. time takes longer, doesn't yeah, it? A whole lot longer. Where in the wintertime, it'll take 10 or 15 minutes to really cool it off. In the summertime, it may take an hour the time it gets enough cool breeze blowing across it. And, and you know those if fans. You got a breeze. Yeah. Well, and well, the fans create the breeze, but the the fans when they come on, some of them have more than one speed. They've got uh, low speed and then high speed, and the high speed is what you're going to hear. You'll hear see a lot of trucks sitting at a red light, and all of a sudden you'll hear. Yeah. That's the high speed fan kicking on right coming there. on. Yep. You can hear the fan clutches on them eighteen wheelers when they kick in, can't you, Doug? Yeah, and they're using the same thing now that cars uses. Some of them have got a three speed on it. Yeah. You'll hear them. You'll you'll raise the hood up and it'll be turning, but it'll be you can almost count the blades and then mm-hmm. all at once it'll speed up and then then that's when you hear that woo noise when it starts pulling hard air through it. Yeah, and you know the high temperatures they're they're bad on a lot of components, AC components, uh, engine cooling components, water pumps, radiators, reservoirs, ECMs. Yeah, everything that that, that is you know. Is, is underneath the hood, and they put a lot of electronics underneath the hood today. A bunch. Like, uh, you know, uh, all your sensors are electronic, uh, your mass airflow sensors, throttle bodies, everything. And speaking of a mass airflow, Joe, mm-hmm. we had a customer come in. He had done put three alternators on his Dodge truck. This is a diesel 6.7. Mm-hmm. He had done put three alternators on it. Told Russ, he said, there ain't no way I got three bad alternators. And Russ said, nope. So we go out there, and he hops too far over it to it. Alternator starts charging. What had happened, the mass airflow has shorted out and blowed the ECM, mm-hmm. blowed the battery charging part of the ECM. Yeah. So we put ECM on it, put a uh, mass airflow sensor in it, started charging again. Yeah. But one little part can cause. Okay, so one little part. Can excessive heat cause one little part to fail? Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, you know, when you, when you talk about sensors, the mass airflow and coolant temp and all these sensors are three-wire sensors, which means they have a 5-volt reference wire. Okay, going that, into them. Going into them. But that goes back to the computer itself. And the drivers in there that work some of these sensors are looking for the feedback from it. Uh, if it if it shorts out and damages it, the computer's damaged. When the computer's damaged, then you're going to have to repair. You know, sometimes you have cause and effect. The sensor was the cause of this. The effects of it is a new ECM. And, of course, the guy, he didn't know how to check it, so he put three alternators on it. There's yeah. probably nothing wrong with the original alternator. Probably not. You yeah. know, and, it, and he, you know, he said, I should have just brought it to you to start with. And I said, well. That's what we say on the show. No, but uh, Tests don't guess. It wind up that, like that $200 map sensor. Wind up costing him about three grand. Time is all said. Ooh, ow! And then Ouch. I had. Then I waited uh, nine weeks on the ECM for it. Yeah. Now see, now that's insult on top of injury. 
I got one I've been waiting. Nothing, I mean, nothing against you. I'm not I, saying it's yeah. your fault. I'm just saying that you got to wait that long to get, to get it fixed because I, you can't get the part. I had one guy's truck 11 months waiting 11 on a single months. plug ECM for Dodge. Holy cow. And finally, the because they're obsolete from Dodge and they're obsolete from Cummins, you know, they don't make them no more. And ain't nobody got no cores. And I sent, we sent, I had three cores there at the shop. We sent them all to the people up there that, that builds them, and they called back and said, these are junk. Can't fix them. So they finally got, she finally got some in, called Russell here. Oh, it's been about a month ago, and she said, I got four of these ECMs in. Do How many do you need? Four? No, well, she thought he only needed one. <laughs> right. And uh, he said, well, I've got four of these trucks now that I need ECMs for. She said, "Well, give me all four of them. Let me go pull these off the shelf, and and I got I get them one at a time. I'm we're waiting on the last one to come in now. Good God! But eleven months waiting on one. See, electronic. That, that's con- a guy who's out of work for eleven months. Yeah, uh, electronic control module. And the manufacturers build cars. They design. Anyway, the engineering design, and then they have a vendor that makes those ECMs originally, and the first one in your car is a new one, but you'll never, ever, ever get another one, another new one, because any replacement after that is a remake. Rebu- yeah, rebuilt. That's what they do, and a lot of the vendors that made them originally, they ain't in business no more. So it, I guarantee if a vehicle is six or seven years old, there's a good chance that, that the manufacturer that electronic component, the engine control module, is probably an obsolete for them. Right, Duck? Um, yeah. It, even, it doesn't even. It used to be ten, but it's down to about six or seven now. I got a 2000 Ford truck with the seven three in it. You get in it, crank it, and go down the road, and door locks go up, 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 up and, and down. down. Okay, and. Tim pulled the door panels, thought it may have had a short somewhere. Finally found it. It's got a module for the door locks. Got water in it. Windshield was leaking. Got water in it. Now, how long are you going to wait to get the module? They won't even give me a date. It's under the left side of the dash by yep. your foot. They won't even give me a date. I had one like that, Duck, and it got the ECM, too. Windshield was leaking. Windshield had a big crack in it. So we did an estimate on the ECM and that, that body control module you're talking about. And and I told him what happened to it, and he said, well, I'm going to call my insurance company. I said, well, you don't, you know, might as well because it's water intrusion. Yeah, that's what I told him. <clears throat> and uh, that insurance adjuster come out there and looked at it, and he said, well, I don't think that crack in the windshield is leaking. The, the uh, seal around the windshield is leaking. I said, most likely. He said, well, that's not going to be covered under his work, I mean, his uh, comprehensive coverage. And I said, well, why not? He said, well, it's not. I said, well, if he left the window down, it rained in there and filled it up, would it be covered? He said, yeah. yeah. I said, so if he was in a flood and the water level come up inside and got those computers wet, would it be covered? He said, yeah. I said, man, I'd like to be on the other end of this conversation when you called this guy and told him that. <laughs> yeah, no I really would. Just be the fly up on the wall laughing. Yeah, because I'm like, you know. I don't see really and truly. You might technically say it ain't covered from water damage because where the water came in at. But if he left the window down, it's no different. You know, that's going to be interesting because I think that's 
you can either pay it or lose a customer. Well, That's what I think is going to happen. He went and sat in his car for about 30 minutes to come back in. And he said, when you get through with that, just email me that, and I'll send you a check. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did a little thinking about I, I, it. I, I he went out there and did a little calling what he yeah. did. I laughed, and I said, that conversation didn't do- go to us. I said, no, it went real well when I called him. Is when I called my boss, the conversation was back and forth. How do we, you know, yeah, and they we were trying to curious. figure out how to talk him out of it. Yeah. And, and I'm sure that's the same thing with this windshield that's leaking around we're sealed in yeah. okay we'll talk further when we come back on this then we're going to talk about heat and how it damages your car back with you here on the dave ellswick show let's talk a little bit about bumper to bumper they are the uh, sponsor of uh, this show we appreciate them uh, putting the money up to make it possible for duck and joe to come in every thursday answer your questions and give you some some information that help you with your automobile. If you have a question, you can always call 501-823-0935, and they'll give you their uh, their honest assessment of what you're talking to them about, about what might be a problem and what night might not be a problem. But let's talk about something that you just mentioned, uh, uh, Doc, and that is getting uh, pieces uh, getting parts and getting them as quickly as possible. Bumper to Bumper has really, I think, done a much better job than a lot of the other companies. They have kept up with it. There have been a few things they've been out of, ain't they, Joe? You know. Yeah, but everybody else out of it, too, yeah. so, you know. Yeah, uh, there's one fuel filter for a big truck. It's a cartridge filter. Can't get it. Right now, they ain't been able to get them for four or five weeks. That's because they don't have the paper. That's what I've heard. Two micron paper, they said they're they're short of, and uh, you know, but it ain't just them; it's the dealers and everybody is out of them. So, but the last word I heard from Dickie was that they, you know, had some coming in. So, you know, I told myself when you get them, I want ten. Yeah. Well, yeah. B- bottom line, they. I'm sure that they order a bunch of them oh they'll come they in cases say, yeah they say, well yeah, they'll come in on train cars when they come in make sure that we have some of them oh yeah you know because they buy enough of them they got a little bit of yeah i'm sure push absolutely yeah because they're buying for like uh 10 or 12 warehouses yeah you know and, and they're and they're in the group where it's not just them it's a bunch of other people you know other businesses that's buying them too so, and they've been buying them for years because they've been in business for 103 years. Yeah. And, and you know, it's like I said earlier, Dave, the urea fluid right now uh, is short. Uh, if you got a diesel truck and you don't dare try to run it without it, because if you do, somewhere between $1,000 and seven, $8,000 will fix it. And you said the EPA will not make the necessary you know break for these guys to be able to change the computer a little bit nope they run out of urea they will oh yeah because the trucks will have to run well that's kind of like uh cummins had the death module problem still got the problem but it's a little better than it was um they finally and all the death module does is just tell you hey you got three quarters of a tank of death or a quarter of a tank of death and all it does and it goes bad it's it's plastic and it, and it goes bad. That they finally come up where the EPA finally agreed to let them. You can go in there and program it out, but it's only good for six months. Then you pay another six hundred dollars to get them programmed out again. Yeah, our government, like I said, Harry Brown 
it, it was um, a libertarian who used to run for president. His best statement was, the government comes and breaks your legs, and then they come back and they say, here, I got some crutches for you to help mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that, that's exactly what they're doing right there. Sure. This but, is crazy. But what's going to happen, Dave? And I, and I asked this trucking guy yesterday, I said, so what's going to happen when you pull up and you need diesel fuel and you need urea fluid? We got the diesel fuel, but we have no fluid to put in to make it go down the road. I said, what are you going to do? He's going to pull over and stop. He said, we ain't got no other choice. You know, and, and you know, it's uh, they got to get this figured out because this is going to shut the whole country down. Because when these trucks, you don't see them running up down the interstate, you just think about what ain't getting moved. Everything's not getting moved. Well, that's why it's such a backlog in California is because of the laws that are there for the truckers. Yes. I mean, what is it? Tw- you got to have a 2012 or... 2015. 2015 now. Or, or newer truck to, to be able to haul anything. I got a customer bought the Pacific Coca-Cola company out there. He bought 10 trucks from them. Trucks was too old. All of them are in good shape. He bought them for a little nothing because they couldn't run them on the streets out there. He had to haul them out of California. He couldn't even drive them out. Think about how crazy that is. That's just insane. But you know there used to be a there used to be a comic that was in the newspapers. Now for you who are young <laughs> enough, there used to be a thing called a newspaper. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> Beetle Bagley. There used to be Pogo. Remember Pogo? Yeah. And in Pogo, there, there was a f- famous statement always made: "We have met the enemy, <laughs> and he is us." And that's exactly where we're at right now. That's correct. We're our own worst enemy. Yep. That's amazing. All right, let me get back to heat with you guys because I told everybody we're going to talk about that. What should the owner of a car or a pickup or uh, an 18-wheeler be doing? I mean, I'm thinking preventive maintenance is a good way of not breaking down on the side of the road when it gets too hot. Preventive maintenance is a great thing, Dave, because you need to check your hoses and your belts and check your water pump, make sure it ain't leaking out of the, out of the weep hole, check your radiator and everything. But the main thing is, ain't it, Joe, if it starts heating up, pull over on the side of the road and cut it off. Immediately. Don't, yeah. don't keep driving it. You know, most overheating situations, I'm going to say, I'm going to give you a 99% chance of this causing it on overheating situations it's one of two things and there's a 99 percent chance it'll cause it to overheat the lack of coolant which means it's leaking somewhere Mm -hmm. or it ain't circulating properly which means the radiator stopped up or the thermostat's not functioning properly because those are the only two things that'll make it do that you could have a water pump impeller that's wore out you know these new water pumps today they put plastic impellers on them dave And, you know, they wear out electrolysis and and chemical reaction in your cooling system. If you don't flush it and service it, like you said, that'll get off. The pH gets off and it'll eat them impellers up. You pull them out of there and they'll just look half the size they were when they were put in. Had one yesterday on a a six, seven Ford guy come in and said, hey, it keeps trying to run hot on me. Keeps trying to run hot on me. Pulled a water pump off and the impeller was laying in the hole. That fell off the shaft. Plastic. You know, mm-hmm. done, he didn't come off the shaft. Yep. 
Luckily, put, put he, a new water pump in it, right? Well, that truck there has two water pumps. That's there. correct. Oh, okay. So one thing kept it alive. Yeah, if it hadn't been for the other one, he'd have cooked it. But he was smart enough to put it on record and send it over there and put two water pumps on it, and, you know, he was fine. But there again, like Joe said, I mean, I've seen here lately, we've seen more water pump with them fellas off of them than I've ever seen in the past. Okay, so you're saying that uh, how often should you change your uh, – uh, your fluids in your to cool your car. I mean, is it a yearly thing that you should do it, no. or is it more no. often? They say five years yep. or hundred hundred thousand yeah. miles, yep. something like that. Okay. There's a all vehicles have a maintenance schedule. You know, a ten thousand, twenty, manual. thirty, forty, fifty, six, all the way up to a hundred, and they have required maintenance at certain intervals. And then they have. All of the ones in between that don't have required maintenance, they have inspections where you look at it because these schedules are set up, but they're not set up for one specific place in the United States. They don't know whether it's a dry or cold or wet, extreme heat, extreme cold, where the vehicle's at. So that's why the inspection is that's up to the technician when he's looking at that stuff to, to decide it needs to be done early because this is severe duty on this one. Mm-hmm. Rather yeah. than light duty, so that's the deal about the inspection. That's that's the technician that does that. And if you go by your inspections, and you know, sometimes we have problems with the customers. They'll say, "Well, I want to do that hundred thousand mile inspection," and they'll say, "What's that going to cost?" Uh huh. And you say, "Well, the inspection costs this, and the required maintenance costs this, but what about the other forty-two items that I'm supposed to inspect?" I don't know if you need brake pads or not. We'll have to look. Yeah. Right. So that changes the price of that. So you can't get a detailed price on an inspection until the inspection is completed. It's okay. kind of like buying a certified car, Dave. Yeah. You know, they got, like, it's like 200-point inspection that they go through and do on, a, on when you buy a certified car. They have, you know, they just go through and do it. And a car has to be under, I think it's, what, 20,000 miles or something to get this. But, you know, it's if if me and Joe had a crystal ball and we can look and say, hey, Dave, your car is going to cost $10,000 to redo it, but we don't have that crystal ball. Right. And I ain't figured out where to buy one yet. I got you. Okay, so is, you know, the coolant in your car... Uh, as uh, specific as the oil in your car? Yes. Yes. Okay. So you got to make sure. Put the right back in it. it. It all isn't green anymore, right? No. Nope. They do make, uh, uh, one of the antifreeze people do make one that will mix with anything. It's global. Yes, yeah, global. And it, and it'll mix with any, in any car, any 18-wheeler, any truck. Is it pink? Uh, no, it's just making it. It's a joke. It's, no. Well, they do got pink antifreeze. It's gold. Oh, really? It's, it's gold. gold. Looking it's a color. goldish color. You know. It's, okay. But it, it, there's some that will not come be compatible with, and that's that blue for the Europeans. Yes. Yeah. It won't yeah. work in them. That's it. It's the only one that I know of. But that may change next year when they come out with the manufacturers do something different. Yep. But they're constantly working on these coolants because they want to run these engines hotter and hotter and hotter. And that coolant that's in there, when it mixes with water, and it, you can't never have 100%, but when it mixes with water is when it creates a chemical reaction, and that's why they call it engine antifreeze coolant. It doesn't just keep it from freezing in the winter. It helps cool the engine off faster so they can run coolant systems 
the way they want some cars today one of the water they'll have two water pumps on one of the water pumps electric yep. okay it yeah. runs all the time basically no it's turned on and off depending on how hot it is oh okay and a lot of the hybrids have what they call a hybrid water pump for the coolant system for the hybrid unit it's separate from the engine unit if it's if it's a hybrid. Yeah, and, um, engine coolant over here and specific coolant for the hybrid unit and a pump for it. Are most of the cars now that you buy electric motors and not driven by a belt? Uh, still got a belt on them. You still got to okay. have a belt to pull the alternator and AC compressor. But they have come out with a new AC compressor that's one hundred percent electric. Don't I have mean, no belt on. I mean, that's basically that, so that is, when you that's stop, a hybrid compressor is what that is. So when you stop and your engine's not running, then the compressor continues. That's correct. Well, these electric cars, they had to have that for these electric cars mm-hmm. to heat and cool them. It's basically a heat pump. It runs it one way to cool it, then it turns it around, runs it back the other way to heat it. And those, those 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 compressors like that are what they call variable vane compressors. Yep. Which means that it's 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 they turn the, the valve plate in it and tighten the vanes up to make it pump harder, and they loosen it up and open the vanes up to make it pump less, depending on what the ambient temp is outside, what you're requesting inside on your automatic temp control. It'll run that compressor to make you comfortable. But it's not going to run it 100% all the time because that makes the car inefficient as far as fuel economy. Yes. All right. 12 minutes to 8. Final break here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Got Joe and Duck here. You got a question? 501-823-0965. And uh, we're talking about what's the heat do to your car? We've learned a lot of things today. We'll learn a few more when we return on the Dave Ellswick Show. But right now, let's find out what happened with your travelers. That is a crazy story. Yes, it is. <laughs> it is story. a crazy story. But Dave, you'll be surprised how many times it happens. Really? Yes, I got a. a but, you know, we think I'm sitting here and they're telling me all the stuff about how they determine where they park cars and things of that nature because they're going to work on them in a certain in a certain way. When I go to go see what's going on, I'm thinking about everything that's going on inside mm-hmm. the garage at any given time. You guys are working it all out from the very beginning when they're checked in. Yeah, from the from the back parking lot. Yeah. The guy with the Dodge, you know, had the computer for so long, it took Leroy 30 minutes to dig it out. Mm-hmm. Because it had been there so long and it just kept getting pushed to the back and it was our way up against the fence. It's like playing that game on your on your phone, you know, when you try yep. to unload the parking lot. <laughs> that. That's kind of how it well, was, huh? Logistics is a big deal yeah. because, you know, if you do it wrong, you're going to double or triple work yourself. Mm-hmm. But And sometimes it takes longer to do it right the first time, and it eliminates a lot of mistakes. Which little eats up the mistakes. time even more. And some of the little mistakes can turn into major mistakes. Yeah, we, we learned about that as well. We were just talking about it. All yep. right, so let's go back. All right, so you're suggesting uh, that people, maybe if you haven't had your car looked at in a while, what's a while, a year? That you should have them come in and say, give it a once-over so I'm, I'm going to be good during the heat. Basically, when you go from winter to summer. Kind of like we've had, you know, we went from 70-degree days to 100-degree days. Mm-hmm. 
at 70 degrees, your car can get by a whole lot better than it can when it gets 100 degrees, can't it, Joe? Well, yeah, you're, you're trying to keep the engine cool, and the air you're cooling the width is 70 degrees, and then you've got 100-degree air you're trying to keep it cool. And if there are any little problems with that coolant system, it's going to show up. Any little problem. Yeah. Coolant fan not turning fast and enough. that's it, weak motor. Uh, you know, a, a restricted, uh, partially stopped-up radiator, a water pump with the impeller bore down on it, and it's not pumping fast enough. All of those things will turn into to amplify and turn into something major. Yeah, we had one. Uh, uh, this was a big truck. This was 18-wheeler. It's got a, a, a condenser out front, air-to-air cooler, a transmission cooler, and then the radiator. All stacked in front of this, this radiator. And... They was pulling, putting a uh, air to air in it, and you would have seen the leaves piled in between each one of them. I don't. If it would have been today, it would have got hot today. But it was. This was about three weeks ago when I was up there, and you know, and, and they went ahead and took and cleaned it all out. But the problem is, it's got so much stuff stacked in front of these cars on the radiator. Like my wife's little train, it's got an air to air sitting in front of the radiator, along with the coolant and along with the transmission cooler. And on one of those, the condenser, AC condenser, is going to have an oil cooler in it also. Exactly. So they do, they do crazy things now. They'll add all these things they want to keep cool. They put them up there in front of the radiator, and the radiator is behind all of those, and the fan is behind that. Yep. So it's, uh, the radiator is the last thing that gets that air pulled through it. But when they get packed full of bugs and tree limbs and leaves, pine and needles and leaves and all that, and stops up that airflow. Plain old dirt. If it don't overheat when it's 75 degrees outside, it may very well overheat when it's 100. That's a fact. And yes. that's why you want to make sure that you know the person who's working on your car and know that they're going to check that kind of stuff. Well, yeah, it's part of the inspection. Yeah, you need to do a inspection in before before fall into winter too, because the antifreeze needs to be checked on it. If you had a leak and you and you fixed a hose on it and you just filled it back up with water, you've diluted that antifreeze. That'll make it uh, possibly freeze the next winter too. So there's a lot of things. And you can, and speaking of that, Joe, you got to remember, you crank your car in the morning. You go out, get in your car, crank it, put it in reverse, back it down the driveway, take off down the interstate. It's 70 mile an hour, and, and the air temperature would just say 10 degrees outside. You think how cold that is hitting that radiator. Mm-hmm. That's why you see a lot of them sitting on the side of the road steaming because they froze. They had just enough antifreeze to keep them from freezing sitting still, but running down the interstate 70 mile an hour don't have enough. Well, I'll talk about that here in a few months. Yeah, we'll get that in the winter. <laughs> I don't think we have to worry about it right now. I think what you need to be careful about, you got to make sure that you're your uh, your fluids are at the right level because it can make your car overheat too. Yes. Well, if you have any coolant repairs today, and this is what we were talking about going into the winter time stuff, whoever, whatever shop does that and, and does that repair today, the antifreeze of the summer coolant they put back in that needs to be at the proper level so it's not an issue the following winter, because you'll you'll think, well, it was eight months ago I had a water pump put on it. I should be all right. Technically, he should. They should, or whoever owns the vehicle. Yeah. But that's only if the technician put the proper amount of antifreeze in it and got the level set right for it to be like minus 15, minus 30. Okay, so is it... Is it just as easy as it used to be? You just take the cap off and look down in it? Nope. 
I figured. They'd put a tester on it. <laughs> I figured. They, they, make, they make a tester for it, Dave. All yeah. right. Appreciate you guys for coming in today. You're welcome, Dave. Duck here. Thank and, you. And Joe, just some, some words to the wise. Get you through the summertime because it will get hotter. I'll see you Saturday, too. Oh, you coming in? Monday, Saturday. All right. Well, I'll see you on Saturday here for the car and truck doctors. Uh, don't forget, 9 o'clock, I'll be back, and we will have as our special guest, State Senator Alan Clark, in the studio with me here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Slowly but surely working things out here in the studio. They changed a lot of stuff here over the last few weeks. All right. I'm excited today because this man I consider a friend. I also consider him one of the best uh, conservative uh, senators here in the state of Arkansas. Alan Clark is with me today. Good to see you again. It's been a while since you've been in the studio, dude. It has been a while, and it's great to be back. Yeah, it was fun. We saw each other. Big handshake. Because yeah. there's, there's some great things that are going to happen. And let me just ask you, are you excited about uh, November? I am. I'm very excited. I'm excited about January. Okay. I, well, sure, we're all excited <laughs> about that. I mean, I, I, I'll just say it out loud for everybody again. I think Sarah will be governor. I think that's a foregone conclusion. I made the prediction yesterday uh, to... Uh, uh, of course, uh, Doyle, I think she's going to get 75% of the vote. And he looked I, at me, and he said, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, she's going to get 75% of the vote. She's going to get a high percentage, that's for sure. Well, we're going to stomp into this next year. Yeah. We really, really are. We're going to gain a couple of seats in the House, maybe one or two even in the Senate. And you said something to me before we came on the air today. You said this is going to be the most conservative Senate Senate that you've ever served in? I think it would be the most conservative state senator in my lifetime. Okay. Uh, certainly in my adult lifetime that I can remember. Uh, and, cert- and, and definitely, easily, <clears throat> the most conservative state senator that I've served in. Here's the key, all right? I came in 2000. In 2000, we had four Republicans in the House, and we had one Republican in the Senate. It's almost... 
exactly opposite of that now. And I said something to Doyle yesterday, and he agreed with me. You, you remember when Wilbur Mills was the head of Ways, Ways and Means yes. Committee? Uh, and then you had, you know, Bumpus and all the other people who, here in, in Arkansas. Then we had a, we had a, a governor that became uh, president. We are that now, just the opposite here yes. in the state of Arkansas. Because if nationally we win the Senate back, John, uh, of course, Bozeman is going to be head of agriculture, is what he'll be. Uh, over in the House, uh, you know, you're going to have Westerman being the head of natural resources. Uh, I'm sure that uh, Hill is going to have uh, a big play in the banking committees. And uh, I'm not sure uh, what Crawford and uh, we'll have from up in northwest Arkansas. We may have something from them. But for a, for a state with only 3 million people, we're going to have a lot of a lot of power flowing from this from this state. That's that's impressive. It is absolutely. And uh, and you you first asked me about November, and yes, I am excited about November. I expect that uh, you know I tend to keep my focus on the state, but uh, because that's what I can do most about. But uh, I think we're going to win the Senate. I think we're going to win the House. I I think we should temper our expectations because we still have the most radical. Uh, I struggle to say Democrat instead of Marxist president, <laughs> presidential administration. Go ahead. You can say Marxist. That, man, that I don't care. That I we, understand. That we've had. Uh, and, I, and I think they'll double down. Uh, I don't think they will compromise in the least. But, uh, but it'll be exciting to have uh, some pushback uh, within the legislature. Uh, in Washington. But I think what will happen here in Arkansas, I think we'll see some exciting things. All right. Well, it's going to be important uh, for you all to go in with a really strong steel backbone because, as you just said, we have a person who's in the White House that's the antithesis of everything we believe in. And you're going to have to to battle her i think sarah will ba- or battle him i think sarah will battle him as well and uh, whoever the ag and i expect that to be tim griffin he's going to be writing opinions left and right to fight this uh, this uh, administration i think so and you know and i don't want to put words in the new governor's mouth uh, uh she's uh going to set the tone of her administration and i'm I'm excited. I, I really, I think, the, maybe could use a stronger word than that, but excited about uh, getting to work w- uh, with the new administration. And I don't think she'll come in looking for a fight and with uh, the Biden administration. I, as we watch what they're doing, I don't think the Biden administration. Well, they're already asking for fights with you guys. Yeah, they're they're not they're not. And I said that within days of them being elected, I said. They they are going to be as radical as they said they're going to be, and they have been. And I don't think that governors like uh, like Huckabee Sanders and like DeSantis, et cetera, will have a choice. And I think that uh, Sarah will have a, a legislature that will stand with her. And it takes a governor. Uh, legislators by themselves may want to stand, but it takes a governor. 
And uh, like I said, I don't think she'll be looking for any kind of fight, but I don't think that she's afraid of a fight, and I don't, I think, don't think she's afraid to stand by her values. Well, she definitely worked with one of the fighters. I know that, so uh, we'll see how, how that all goes. But let's talk about is there three distinctive uh, branches of government. you got the judicial, you got the executive, and you got the legislative. And you're in the legislative branch. You're in the, the state uh, senate. I'm, I'm in the best one. Yeah, I'm, in okay. the, I'm in the people's branch. I'm, <laughs> I, you know, And people miss that. You know, when we talk about term limits and stuff, we're the ones that actually represent the people. And the you know, executive branch is so necessary. You've got to have that strong leader, and mm-hmm. you've got to have the courts. But Man, if you don't have somebody out there advocating for the people, uh, they get the people get run over. And so I, I love this job. Do you guys hold the purse strings more or less than what the federal legislature does? Oh, more. You know, we have a balanced budget, so so much more than than the federal does. I mean, one of the reasons that we're in such trouble and and headed into a recession is we've just printed money like there was no money. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, yes, there's just no comparison to to Arkansas versus Washington. All right. So I got I got to ask you, Senator Clark. I got to ask this question: In your wildest imaginings, did you ever think that you would see gasoline at five dollars a gallon? Mm, no, you know, I, I might have thought maybe it was possible at some point, but no, I really, you know, you know, four dollars is high. So yes. Uh, so no, and and I can see it going much higher. Yeah. So, did you ever think in your wildest imaginings that you'd have to be able to define for people what a woman was? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I sit here every day talking to the folks uh, here in Arkansas, and I got to tell you, I some of the things I talk about now, I just shake my head. It's incredibly crazy uh, what's going on. Uh, if people didn't hear yesterday, uh, Biden threw the threw down the the gauntlet, and he's coming after the states about about transgenderism and and all of that. Get ready, it's coming. There's going to be a big war about this, a big big war. And part of it is about boys being to be able to be in girls' sports, even though they're boys and. Uh, they because they think that they might want to be a girl. I don't get it, Dave. I, you know, this was not a subject that I wanted anything <laughs> to do with. But I ended up being the the sponsor of the uh, Senate sponsor of the Safe Act, right? Uh, Representative Lundstrom's bill. And actually, someone had come to me a year before about this subject and said, you know, we need to do something. And we didn't think anything like this was going on in Arkansas. And I said, yes, we do. And I said, I put them with the Bureau of Legislative Research and brought a bill. They brought it to me, and I sent it to, like, five other legislators. And no one responded. And, you know, they get as many emails as I do, so they may not have even seen it. Right. Because I said, this is not my top legislation. You know, you look at my votes, you'll see I'm very conservative. But I run bills on child welfare reform, on water, et cetera. I don't run pro-life bills. And I run one or two gun bills, I think. But overall, that's just not what I do. And But come October, this person called me back and said, well, how about this bill? And I said, needs to be run. I'll file it. But I wasn't excited about it, partly because I knew the media and, and so on. And so, but then Representative Lundstrom 
filed her bill, saw my bill, and she had actually done her homework. I mean, we had written a bill, but she had really written yes, a comprehensive bill. And she asked me if I'd like to be the Senate sponsor, and I was honored. And But because of that, I know way more about that subject than I ever wanted to know. And and being a former youth pastor, the, the, what the other side says is garbage. Now, they own the media for the most part. Yes, they do. But it's garbage. And and when they, they talk about not having compassion, I have all the compassion in the world. Uh, the the not, Historically, this is from... You know, the American Child Psychiatric Association, historically, 90% of gender dysphoria was males, and it was toddlers. Nobody knows why that they decided they were girls, and they persisted to this throughout adolescence. But, again, 90% of those, 85 to 90%, between 18 and 25, as young adults decided they weren't girls. Right. But but I have all the compassion for that boy. I have all the compassion for that those parents. I don't know what I would do. You know, but having said that, today it is mostly adolescent females. We've had it we've seen as much as a whole 8th grade class. And the things that they're saying is all the studies we could spend hours, Dave, just on this subject. All the studies point an entirely. I'll get Robin on to talk about yeah, that. <laughs> entirely different direction, uh, and we've got to stand up for young people, uh, and we've got to stand up for family. This idea that all the that all the parents of these kids are for this, they they get dragged. You know, there are parents that are, but they get dragged into this, and kids get dragged into this, uh, and there's big money in it too. By the way, so. All right. Well, hold your thoughts. We'll come back. We'll talk about that. And I want to talk about 2023 because I'm excited about the next general uh, sessions, the General Assembly that gets together because there's some issues that I've really wanted to see the conservatives fight for. And I think now we're going to see the gauntlet go down from you guys on those as well. Billy Mack wants you to know that you want to use ICU protection. Uh, he takes care of the security out at Nuke One. Uh, his company does. He can take care of your security at your home. I've used him now. Uh, I've been on his uh, his side for about two months, and I've got uh, the cameras at the house, On one on my driveway. i got one on my doorbell. I've got door and window sensors all, all through the house. And here's what's cool about that. I didn't have to pay for any of that hardware. He put all that in, and as long as I pay for my service, the hardware is mine to keep absolutely free it is mine to keep so uh, you talk to billy mack get him to come out and one of his associates and talk to you about what it is you want to do with your home and your security or do it for your business he does that too 501-205-1333 that's 501-205-1333 billy mack and icu protection all right, back with you. And if you just joined us, uh, my special guest is uh, State Senator, uh, State Senator Clark. Alan Clark is sitting right here inside the studio with me today. I told you I want to talk about 23. This is really where I want to talk about because uh, if it's the most conservative uh, state Senate that you've seen, and this is, I think, will be the most conservative governor that we've ever seen, and the, probably the most conservative house that we've ever seen, 
we should be able to get some things done, uh, Senator. I think so. All I, right. I think that, uh, again, uh, I'll be waiting. Uh, you know, I, I visited with the governor the governor elect it's not the the republican nominee <laughs> okay <laughs> let me I use understand. the let me use the correct term right uh but uh a little bit and i'm excited about um uh, some of the things that uh directions that i think she'll go uh we've we've talked more about education than anything and uh but you know i she uh, she needs to set her agenda, um, and we will. Uh, I think she's. Uh, we're ready to support. I think uh, the uh, senior legislators are also working uh, on some very important legislation. I hope we'll be more organized uh, than ever, um, and uh, hopefully we can work in tandem uh, to do some do some really good things. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm excited. I got to tell you, I really, really am excited because. You know, I I try to talk to a lot of different uh, legislators, uh, even when you guys aren't in session, and keep on on top of everything that's that's going on. And what I've been hearing is that uh, Sarah's people have been talking to you all and talking about where the governor would like the 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 Republican nominee. Same thing here for me. Uh, that wants to take us and one she tweeted out today and uh david ray uh retweeted it and i i had it and it said that uh, she was looking to give all arkansans a pay raise by getting rid of the income tax here in the state of arkansas let's talk about that because there's a couple things to talk about where that's concerned I mean, we may be moving into a recession in this country because of what the president has done uh is that good? Will that stretch out the ability to move away from the income tax? Do you believe? I mean, we got all this flush with all this money right now. I think it's, Dave. I think it's important to set the goal. You know, when when you set a goal and you're serious about it and moving toward it, and and I'm glad to see uh, the future governor tweet that. And I won't tell you. I think even as exciting to me. Uh, you get in the back rooms uh, over at the legislature. You've got legislators talking all the ba- all the time about reducing the income tax, uh, and you know I'm <laughs> I'm working on child welfare reform, right? Uh, you know, and there's uh, you know looking very seriously at some uh, at some education things. Other people working on other things, but you've got people that all the time. That's what they're working on. We all have our specialties. And and people should know that. And you you can't you, you can only do it as you can do it. And and sometimes I laugh, and I think it's healthy to laugh at yourself, at, uh, because you know one day I read that you know part of us conservatives want to do away with income tax. Then I read another day that some of us want to do away with the sales tax and another day that some of us want to do away with the property tax. And I said, right. okay, what are we gonna what are we gonna tax? And then some people say, Well nothing. I said, Well no, that's <laughs> that won't you know, we're not anarchists. We, right. we we believe in fair taxation and taxation with representation, but you do have to tax. Correct. And so but but I think that reducing the income tax to zero I think is 
a worthy goal. And I think, and the thing I like about, oh, I shouldn't say the thing because I like so many things about the future governor, uh, is that she's serious. You know, she she doesn't say things she doesn't mean. Right. And so when she says that, you know, because sometimes there are some politicians, even some colleagues, they say something. I said, under my breath, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I <laughs> sure. Gotcha. Sounds good. You know, let's see. How, let's see when that happens. But when when the future governor says it, I said she means it, and uh, so. I, you know, I don't know how long it, it'll take to get there, but but I don't have any doubt that that there's a pathway that you can make it. All right. Well, I'm I'm excited about that. I want to come back and talk a little bit further about that. I mean, we got we're flush with money, uh, you know that that uh, COVID money that's sitting in in the rainy day fund, so to speak. And we can talk a little bit about that and how you think that might be spent. And I'd also like to talk to you about education because. As you know, I'm huge on education choice, and I think that we have some really big opportunities coming, and we'll talk about that when we continue. we got a break and uh, get to some local news for you. We'll bring you up to date on some of the big stories that have been happening, and uh, after that, we'll come back. Uh, with uh, State Senator Alan Clark here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget tomorrow, Robert Steinbach, Chris Corbett will be with me in the first couple hours. And from a uh, view of the courts, we'll be looking at what's going on here in uh, in the uh, United States and how it's going to affect uh, perhaps the state of Arkansas in the future. So we'll talk about that tomorrow here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Let's continue our conversation with uh, State Senator Alan Clark here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Let's talk education. Okay, all right. Because you said that's kind of one of your bailiwicks. I remember back in 2010 when a then House member uh, for the Republican Party in the State House by the name of Bruce Westerman came on my show and we were talking about because. If you remember, Lakeview was just a huge topic at that time. And how could you do school choice and do it equitably and and whatever? And he said, the best way to do it, Dave, is simple. Let the money follow the students. Whatever the state says it takes to educate a student, let the parents decide where they want to take that money to, what school they want to take it to, and use it to educate their student because at that point it's equal it's totally equal and i was all about it and we did several shows on it and i have never seen the viciousness that i saw that came after bruce westerman because he he came up and brought that out now florida has done it and some other states have done it iowa has done it and it's working wonderfully are we ready to try to do it here in the state of Arkansas? I hope so, um, and I think so. I'm an incrementalist. I believe, and I think partly that comes from my small business background. You do what you can when you can. Okay. You know, people come in and say you ought to do this. So and I said, well, you know, if I had, you know, give me the money, <laughs> you know, we'll do it. And and sometimes I think in politics, people have to catch up with you where they are because so, sometimes the electorate doesn't know where they are yeah 
Well, it's been 13 years. Yeah. Oh, no. No, no, absolutely. And especially when you see the Biden administration and they come in and they're just pushing radically the other way on Mm -hmm. everything. I think that it's it's time that Republicans uh, sometimes grab the bull by the horns. And uh, no, uh, I think that that Congressman Westerman was right on theory. And and not only that, back during COVID, I saw a lot of people, not just saw, I had them call me, uh, email me, uh, that were um, left of center, and some very left of center, uh, who for the first time agreed uh, because of safety uh, issues, et cetera, right. that they should have a choice of where their kids went. Uh, I think with the, the new school, uh, not new school safety issues, but they're back in the forefront again. Uh, with the school shootings, I think that, that that's a good reason for people to be able to to make a choice, uh, because we've done a, the legislature in Arkansas has actually done a lot of things to allow schools locally to be very safe, but I think how safe your school is is another reason to choose. And I have said about school choice that I believe in the selfishness of parents, and uh, but also it's personal to me. Dave, I'm, Arkansas leads the nation, or at least we used to. I haven't looked at uh, in legislators who don't have a college education. I'm one of those, and but I was a straight A student, valedictorian, national merit semifinalist. Didn't have anybody to even tell me that I had a full ride to any state school. Okay. Uh, my daughter, opposite story, because of school choice, got in, was able to change schools. A school choice law that just passed that spring uh, was the first student to change schools uh, if she had not it barely got into UCA honors uh, and works as a private business consultant now but off and on works for the UN in Germany speaks uh, fluent German fairly fluent French and without school choice none of that would have happened and so you'll find you know Tim Griffin's a big school choice advocate yeah. you are Bruce says you will find a hard time finding anybody that's a bigger advocate than I am and it's it's always heartbreaking to me when a child cannot make that choice because you don't get any do-overs well here's what's exciting about school choice it helps it helps poverty-stricken families more than anybody. Oh, if you have money, you have school choice. And, yes. and, and let me say this. as My dad was a teacher. My mother-in-law was a teacher. Uh, educators always had school choice. If you, because you could, if you went to work there, your kids could go to school there. Right. And so, but if you, if you were able to move, then you, you had school choice. And but no, this is about this is about the poor. This is about the poor having the same choices that everybody else has. That this is what this is really about. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. But so you you think that there's some real there's a real appetite for this? Then I I know my appetite, and and I think I think it's growing. I think I think some of our new legislators, uh, new senators, uh, and. Uh, I, and again, I, I didn't. The, I'm not going to say anything specific, but the new governor, who I believe is going to be the new governor, 
had some really exciting things to say about education, so exciting that we did not even talk about this subject. So let me just say that. Okay. That, that some of the things she had to say about education were so exciting to me, we didn't even talk about this subject. Uh, and so I'm very excited about where we're going to go in education because I think she's going to think outside the box, and I think that is so incredibly important if we're going to move Arkansas forward because we should be shooting for number one, not for not for jumping up within the southeast. We should be shooting for number one. We have some of the best educators anywhere. Uh, we have great kids. We have great families. Uh, it's time. It's time. And, and school choice is one of the ways we compete. Well, bottom line, whenever you have competition, it typically the cream rises to the top, so to speak. So it'd be interesting to see what happens. And you know, I wouldn't thought that we would see some of the books that end up in the public school system now and some of the thought process that comes out of the public school system now. And nothing against some of the teachers in the public school system. So I'm going to say some have bought into that whole uh, crock that they're that they're pushing, but a lot of them haven't, and a lot of them probably would get out of the public school system if that money can move out into other other schools as well. But, you know, Dave, that is, that's not what ends up happening. You know, charter schools thrive, private schools thrive. But what has happened, I've seen so many things, so many improvements within our system that people do not even realize came from school choice, is our public schools get better and better. So many things, they're restricted by the federal government, and it's not until – Charter schools do it or private schools do it, and the public schools come back and say, why can't we do it? That's Mm -hmm. not fair. And we say, well, we know it's not fair, and we start pushing back. Because it wasn't that our, a, a lot of our public school superintendents were wanting to do those things. They just had no choice. And when we start pushing back, then we we start doing things that make more sense. Okay, so you you not only see this appetite as far as school choice and opening, you know, the ability of schools to to open and things of that nature. But you believe that within the public school realm, you will see the public schools bend a little bit more to the the, oh, the parents. I already see it, and and not only that, Dave. The most people, because that's one of the things that that a lot of people are fear that people are just going to flee the public school system. Where you have good public school systems, people want their kids to be. If they live in that system, most of them want their kids to be a Lakeside Ram. They want them to be a Hot Springs Trojan. They want them to be a Lake Hamilton Wolf. You know, and all of the things being fairly equal, they don't want to change. Okay. And so, uh, and and I have seen those systems compete, and I've seen them get so very good, uh, some better than private schools. Uh, that I know what can be done, and and so and I see exciting charter schools. I see exciting private schools. I see exciting homeschools. I've seen some homeschool kids that I was jealous of. That I said I would have loved to have done my schoolwork as a as a fairly gifted kid. I'd love to have done my schoolwork for four hours, and then went and worked with my dad, and and that you know at twelve years old had ten thousand dollars in the bank from welding and <laughs> et right. You know, but because ever. Every family should be able to make the choice that's right for them. Yeah, good. You know, I I'm a product of private or not private of public schools. I went through public school. I got a great education. I'll be honest with you with that. And uh, could have gone to Princeton, but instead went to Moorhead State University because I wanted to play baseball. 
and uh, and then went and played baseball there. But the bottom line is, is that I got a, a grade A education at the public school that I went to at that time. But I will also say this, what's going on in a lot of public schools versus what went on in my public school would never have happened during the time that I was in public school. But, true. But a lot of this has been thrust, you know, from the, from the federal government down, has been thrust on. Because I want to tell you, we have some very conservative superintendents out there. I mean, there's some that aren't. But let me tell you, yeah. we have some very conservative superintendents, some very conservative principals, some very conservative teachers. And where, where we allow them the freedom to really have school the way they would like to have school so often they haven't had and school choice does that as they have to compete they're allowed to come back it's only when they get that competition from elsewhere that they're allowed to come back and do the things that work all right so a little public education for you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, our guest is, uh, of course, State Senator Alan Clark. We're going to talk to him further when we come back. we got to get our final break in. Let's do that. It's about, oh, 946 here on a uh, Thursday. Tomorrow's Friday, and that's always a good day. So uh, stay with us. we got more to talk about. All right, we're down to about 11 minutes left here in this 9, nine o'clock hour. i got to tell you, 9 o'clock hour flies because we have such great guests during 9 o'clock, like who we got today, and that's State Senator Alan Clark. And I uh, was talking to the senator about when we move into 2023 and we get into the, the general uh, uh, assembly that's going to happen during that time that I want to see him a lot on the show. I, I'm looking forward to it. Because he always comes out, and he's he's all. He's a straight shooter, I'm just telling you. That's exactly what uh, Alan Clark is. You said something during the break. Now, I, I talk to these guys during the break. You know, I, we don't sit here and just stay mum. Uh, and I said, I want to talk about the extra money that we've got in the rainy day fund or whatever they call it now, the, the, all the COVID money that's that's gone. There's over a billion dollars sitting there. And uh, the governor has said that looks like he wants to call a special session. Now, you said that he doesn't have the votes to call it yet. Is that mm-hmm. right? No, I didn't say he didn't have the votes to call it. Okay. I said I hope he doesn't have the votes oh, to call okay. it. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I hope we don't. Uh, I don't think that uh, we don't know. The recession's just starting. We don't know how bad it's going to be, and I think it's going to be worse than most people think. And there's nothing that we would do now that can't wait till January. Uh, and th- including tax cuts. We've already cut taxes. We can still cut taxes in January. Uh, there's no less fervor as as the new uh, as the primary winner, Governor-elect <laughs> <laughs> Governor Sarah has uh, has indicated uh, has the same fervor herself. Uh, so there's there's no reason to get in a hurry because I think I think as the breaks go in this recession, it could be much harder than people think and there's i mean when we look at schools that are could be paying six and seven dollars a gallon for gas Mm -hmm. to get you know and and so on i don't this could this could be tough and to 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 spend this money and then come back and and wish we had it and and to put the new governor in place and those of us are serving in place to even have to raise taxes can you imagine i think no, don't get in a hurry. You know, I, that's one of the reasons that our business is here 49 years later is don't get in a hurry to spend money. Yeah, let's 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 touch on that. You're a small business owner. 
You're a, you're a business uh, politician, basically. And, and that's why we like to have people that are running their own businesses and things of that nature in, in their everyday lives. And you said that you're seeing some things that are warning you that there's, there's a recession coming. We had our first down month in two years in May. Uh, our biggest, uh, you know, we stock over 2,500 area rugs, Dave, and our biggest rug supplier, senior, well, senior rep, uh, was in in May and told me that they had forced him to take two weeks vacation already, uh, that Amazon and Wayfair and two other big Internet retailers' sales had nosedived, that lots of their brick-and-mortar brick retailers' sales had nosedived. And the you know we saw Target's announcement here uh, last week, week before last, uh, that they had their profits were down from six percent to two percent second quarter. That they were marking down TVs and appliances and canceling orders. And well, last quarter we had a retraction. And as people, as it, far as it, our it, our GDP went, as I'm old enough now to have watched these things before, and as people's stock their investments in the stock market are going down, their gas prices are going up, people quit spending. And mm-hmm. when people quit spending, sales go down, you go into a recession. And and then it builds on itself because then you start having to lay people off and and then and then people do get scared and those and they quit buying. And the next thing you know, instead of everybody looking for employees, people are talking about unemployment benefits and looking for jobs and uh, and because this has all been built on printed money, you don't know how bad it can get quick. And it, I think it's irresponsible of us to spend this money when we know, uh, at least some of us know, that it could get very bad. Uh, and, again, come January, we can do anything that we, that we think needs to be done now. So all the, all, all the money the governor is talking about, about putting money back in over to UAMS and things of that nature can wait. Absolutely, it can wait. Uh, and, you know, the school safety issues, that would be the only thing. Uh, and I think most of that, there's because I, I know some schools that are participating, but I think there's the, I think most of that there's federal money there uh, for uh, and the, I know that. Uh, the Department of Education has been checking into that, but I think there's no sense of us spending money where the federal money's there. Uh, uh, that's one of the things, you know, the federal mo- government spending money like like there's no end. But mm-hmm. nevertheless, it's there. The, why would we budget it when you can go fill out the forms for the grant and and get a bulletproof entry and 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 get new lock classroom doors where some where a, a shooter can't get in right all right so th- see that's spoken like a true conservative i mean a true conservative says hey the the winds of war so to speak are are gathering let's find out what's out there before we do something dumb yeah. let's let's keep our options open just because you got the money doesn't mean you got to spend it. no and sometimes as you know my mom and dad both would have said so that money's burning a hole in your pocket isn't it so yeah <laughs> and it is burning a hole in a lot of people's pocket in this state it really really is because we're we're seeing stories about it and all the rest and nothing against uh, the, the the current governor but you know what i know you want to be president but don't try to do it on our backs i know that no comment. Yeah, I got you. Okay, I understand. I understand. But that's the way I feel about it. I mean, don't try to polish up your image, 
so to speak, on what we've got? Well, we've look, let's give the governor credit and the legislature credit for that billion-dollar surplus. Yeah. Okay? But we're, we're headed for a new governor. The governor's done well, you know, and we're also headed for a recession. So let's 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 put it on pause, put it on coast, and and see what see what's coming. If it was a if it was going to be a really really close election, a really competitive election, I might say maybe you need to spend a little money here or there. However, I don't see that happening. Just to be honest, so I think we know that it's going to be who it's going to be, when it's going to be. So let's be smart about it. Yeah, let's, let's I'm all about it with you on that. Let, let's keep our options open. All right. Anything that's out there that you think could be a big issue in 23? I mean, something always comes up that nobody sees coming. But what are some things that are out there that you want to see get done during the time in, in 23? Anything that jumps out at you? You know, Dave, I didn't do any homework. You know, my mind's blank. There's there's all kinds of things uh, that I've got under wraps that I'm that I'm working on. Uh, I just again would come back to my excitement. You know, uh, I've enjoyed working with uh, uh, Senator Hickey as pro tem and Scott Flippo as uh, majority leader. I'm excited about working with uh, Bart Hester as our new pro tem and Blake Johnson as our uh, as our new majority leader. Uh, and the uh, I, I don't want to name names because I'm telling you there's some senators that are working on I think reform we're we're working on some reform okay. and I think that ex- after ten years that excites me as much as anything there's just you know government needs to be reformed and th- there's there's things that needs to be fixed and things that need to be changed and uh, uh, we we've got some. Senior, that's one of the things about us. Some of us staying a little bit longer. We have we have found where some problems are, and I, and we're senior enough to fix them. And uh, and I think we'd also like to visit with the new governor and get her on board. Uh, and uh, it may not be as exciting or sexy for the electorate, but uh, it's important stuff that needs to be done. All right, we're out of time. Thank you, Dave. Always Thanks for having Always a pleasure having you here. All right. State Senator Alan Clark, my special guest here this hour tomorrow. Be here at 6 a.m. Robert Steinbach and Chris Corbett. And, again, we'll kind of look at everything from the judicial side and uh, discuss some of the different things that uh, President Biden is up to. Because, hey, state legislature isn't meeting right now, so we got to talk about the feds. We'll do that. All right. Dave Ellswick, see you tomorrow here on 101.1 FM, The Answer. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.